Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. When Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, what they would have to eat became a major concern. To sustain and nourish them, God provided a mysterious food called manna. These small round wafers appeared on the ground every morning, and this was their sole diet for 40 years. 1,600 years later, God brings manna back to his people in the book of Revelation. But this, rather than being out in the open as it was in Exodus, is hidden in a golden pot within the ark in the Holy of Holies. What is this hidden manna? Please don't miss this classic presentation from the book of Exodus on our life study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Joining us once again today as we are still in the book of Exodus uh, is Ed Marks. Ed, welcome back to the program. Well, Chris, it's good to be back, especially for this classic life study on the real significance of the manna in the book of Exodus. Ed, we have seen a lot by now regarding eating Christ as our manna. We're talking today about manna in a little different aspect. Ed, what is the hidden manna, and where do we see it in Scripture? Well, Chris, firstly, I'd like to read the verse where we see this in the Scripture, and it's Revelation 2.17. In this verse, the Lord says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give of the hidden manna, and to him I will give a white stone, and upon the stone a new name written, which no one knows except he who receives it. So the promise in Revelation 2.17 to the overcoming believers is that they would enjoy Christ as the hidden manna. In the Old Testament, what the children of Israel were charged to do was to take a portion of that manna, put it in a golden pot, and put that golden pot within the ark in the Holy of Holies, which is the very center of the entire tabernacle. So uh, that is the hidden manna. Now, what is the significance of this hidden manna? Well, we've seen on previous programs in John 6 that Christ himself is the very bread who came down out of heaven for us to feed on. In other words, Christ is our spiritual food that we need to enjoy day by day. But when we talk about the hidden manna, we're talking about enjoying Christ as our spiritual food to bring us into the closest, most intimate, hidden, secret contact with him. This is our enjoyment of Christ as the hidden manna. So we need to take the way day by day to go into the Holy of Holies through prayer to enter into our spirit where Christ as the spirit lives and to enjoy him as our spiritual food and assimilate him into our whole being so that we can enjoy him in the closest, 
most intimate, deepest, hidden, and even secret way as the hidden manna for his purpose. Ed, this is one of those messages we know from the outset that the printed life study message in its entirety is going to be very helpful and valuable so that our listeners really have a chance to explore this in a much deeper way. Uh, Consider this life study resource, the printed message, and we'll talk about that at the end of the program. I like to refer to you, Colossians 3. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. Manna is hidden in the golden pot. This actually signifies our life is hidden with Christ in God. Golden signifies God's divine nature. We do have such a golden pot. That is the divine nature. Within you and within me, we all have this divine nature. This divine nature is the holding, preserving pot. You cannot keep Christ in your mentality. You cannot keep Christ in your emotion. Christ has to be kept within the divine nature that is in you. And you have to realize that it's God. The divine nature that is in you is the very God. And Colossians 3 says, our life is hidden with Christ in God. Here you have manna that did the life supply to you, hidden in the golden pot, signifying that the very Christ whom we enjoy is right now preserved in the divine nature within us. Then you have to go on. This golden pot is in the ark. And the ark is just Christ. Christ is the manna. Christ is preserved in the divine nature. And the divine nature is in the ark. That's Christ. And where Christ is, Christ is in our spirit. That is the holy of holies. Well, according to doctrine, it seems a little hard to understand, but if you would calm down yourself and apply the whole situation to your experiences, you would say, no, no, I understand. This is easy. The very Christ whom I enjoy becomes the Christ I preserve. You just preserve the very Christ you enjoy in the divine nature within you. And this divine nature is all together in Christ, in the ark. And this ark, this Christ, is in your spirit, the holy of holies. Don't understand these things in a doctrinal way, but apply this to your experiences. Whenever you would remain in your spirit, Christ is right there. Christ is right there. And within this Christ, no doubt, the divine nature is there. And I appreciated the verse in Colossians that we heard, that our life is hid with Christ in God. As we relate this to our own experiences, we've just been encouraged to do in this portion, we need to see that within us is the divine nature. How is it possible, Ed, that fallen man 
has the divine nature in him. And where do we see such a truth in the Bible? Well, Chris, I would say this. Uh, you know, you know, D.L. Moody said that to have the divine nature, to be a partaker of the divine nature, is one of the greatest blessings that a believer in Christ has. And um, the verse that tells us this is 2 Peter 1, 4. And this verse tells us that God has granted us precious and exceedingly great promises that through these you might become partakers of the divine nature. So, Chris, what all of us need to see is that according to John 1, verses 12 and 13, when we received Christ, we were actually born of God. A divine birth took place. Now we have another life. We have the life of God the Father. We have Christ as life in us. 1 John 5, 12 says, He who has the Son has the life. So we have Christ as life living in us. He is our life. We also have his divine nature. 2 Peter 1, 4, as we read, says we are partakers of the divine nature. So as the sons of God, we have God's life and we have God's nature. This is a great, great thing in the universe to see this. What could be more precious than the life of God and the very nature of God indwelling us? Now, now I would like to make this clear to our listeners, Chris. This does not mean that we have God's deity, that we have his Godhead, that we become an object of worship? No. But it does mean that we are his sons and we have his life and nature. We need to partake of his divine nature day by day. Now, how can we do this? Well, 2 Peter 1.4 says, He has granted to us precious and exceedingly great promises that through these you might become partakers of the divine nature. So according to 2 Peter 1.4, the way that we can partake of the very divine nature of God day by day is through his promises in the Bible. You know, the Bible, the New Testament especially, is a will, God's will to us. And this will is full of bequests. It's full of promises. All these bequests are actually Christ himself for us to experience and enjoy in all of his unsearchable riches. And it's through these promises that we can partake of his divine nature. Now, practically, how can we do that, Chris? And we've shared this on previous broadcasts. The way we do this is by taking his word, which is his promises, by means of all prayer. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18 tells us that we can receive the sword of the Spirit, which spirit is the word of God by means of all prayer. That means we read it with prayer, in a spirit of prayer. Even we use the words of Scripture to converse with God in prayer. Then we partake of his divine nature. When we, when we see something in the Scripture, we need to appropriate it into our experience through prayer. In other words, we read Revelation 2.17, where it says, He who overcomes. We can read that, and we can say, Lord, make me an overcomer. I want to be a person who enjoys you as the hidden manna today. Well, immediately what that does is through those promises that you prayed into your being, through that prayer, you are partaking of God's divine nature, 
and that issues in your being transformed more into his image for his purpose. And if you look at all the uh, great servants of God, such as George Mueller, George Whitfield, they all use the Bible as their prayer book so that they could enjoy God and participate in his nature for their transformation. Well, Ed, you read the verse in Revelation 2, verse 17. We're going to see that verse uh, as the focus of this coming portion. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This hidden manna is for the overcomer. Here, Exodus says, the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years, but it was after 1,600 years when the Lord Jesus talked to the seven churches in Revelation. That was 1,600 years later. Christ brought the churches back to manna. Not only the children of Israel were eating manna. In God's intention, all the churches should also eat manna. But the churches are not eating the open manna. The churches are eating the hidden manna. The hidden manna which makes every eater the priest and the overcomer. If you eat the hidden manna, that you become a priest, and that you become an overcomer, I tell you, eventually, this manna will make you a piece of stone for the building of God's dwelling place. So you see, the Bible is consistent. In ancient time, the eternal manna was related to the building of God's dwelling place. Now, in the church, the eating of the hidden Christ is also related to the building of God's dwelling place. Eating manna is for the building of God's dwelling place. Brother Ed, 1,600 years after the children of Israel were given manna in the wilderness, the Lord Jesus in Revelation 2 brings the eating of manna back to the churches. Verse 217, you read it earlier, says that the hidden manna is first for the overcomers, but it's also related to this white stone. We've seen before, Ed, that stone in the Bible refers to both transformation and building. What's the connection between the hidden manna and these two things, transformation and building? Chris, this is, this is an excellent question. And what we see from Revelation 217 is that when we enjoy Christ as the hidden manna daily— That means when we eat him as our spiritual food in the word through prayer day by day, he transforms us into a white stone for his building, into a precious stone. We see this in the New Testament, firstly in Matthew 16, 18, where the Lord said, I will build my church and where he changed Simon's name to Peter which means a stone. He said, you are Peter, you are a stone. And upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church. So Christ, as the massive rock, is the church's foundation. Peter is a stone in God's building. Peter never forgot that because in 1 Peter 2, 5, he tells us that we are living stones. First he says in 1 Peter 2, that Christ is a living stone. Then he says that we also are living stones for the building up of God's spiritual house. 
And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.12, he tells us that God builds his spiritual house with gold, silver, and precious stone. Now, Chris, all this tells us, you know, when we got regenerated, when Christ came into us, we became living stones for God's spiritual building. But he wants to transform us also so that we become precious stones. He wants to transform us. Now, how can he transform us? This this brings us to your point. It's by partaking of Christ as the hidden manna. Chris, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it tells us that by beholding and reflecting as a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. This tells us that when we behold the Lord, we are in the process of being transformed. But the key to this is in verse 16. Whenever the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, when we turn our heart to the Lord, the veil is taken away and we are beholding the Lord face to face. As we are doing that, he is transforming us. He's infusing himself into us as our life supply, as the very hidden manna for our enjoyment. And this is what transforms us. It is not a small thing to say, Lord Jesus, by your mercy and grace, I turn my heart to you. Immediately when you pray that, he will take all the veils away and you will be beholding him with an unveiled face. Right now you can pray this. You could say, Lord Jesus, my heart's been turned away from you today, but right now I want to repent. I want to turn my heart to you so that I can be in the process of transformation today. This transformation issues from the enjoyment of Christ as our life supply, which is the hidden manna. And Chris, the way we can do this day by day is to have a fixed time every day where we turn our heart to the Lord in prayer to behold him face to face. Yeah, as you were describing that prayer, uh, the turning our heart back to him and that kind of very intimate, very genuine emotion and desire to, to engage God in rich fellowship intimately, that really is probably the most graphic or the best definition of the hidden manna. That leads to an experience of this hidden portion, doesn't it? Exactly. To have that personal, inward, hidden experience of turning our heart to the Lord, even in prayer that no one knows about but us and the Lord. That's to enjoy him as the hidden manna in the most intimate, closest way. And that manna, the spiritual food working in us, will transform us into his image for the building of his spiritual house. And isn't it marvelous that those kinds of experiences are preserved? even for eternity, there will be a memorial, that experience with the Lord. It never is forgotten. Yeah, Chris, that is really marvelous. Like you said, in the Old Testament, we see that that hidden man in that golden pot was laid up in the ark as a memorial before God for all generations. So all of our intimate enjoyment of Christ as the hidden manna, that personal experience of Christ that, that you're experiencing right now maybe, where you are, that will become an eternal memorial in God's eyes forever and ever. That's marvelous. Oh, this is very good fellowship, Ed. Let's return back to Witness Lee for our final time today, and then you and I will come back for more fellowship. We are eating Christ 
And at the same time, he is transforming us, Amen. making us praised, making us overcomers, and making us white stones for the building of God's dwelling place. All these points are the real miracles. And these are deeper miracles. Day after day, you eat Christ. You enjoy Christ. Isn't this a miracle? If the eating manna was a miracle to the children of Israel, surely today the eating of Christ has to be a miracle to you and me. This is a miracle. So this will help you to be at peace. And whatever you enjoy will be the mind preserved there in God's divine nature with Christ. So all together is a miracle. All the strange aspects just show us what? Show us miracle upon miracle. The whole story of manna is a miracle. Ed, miracles surely are important in the Bible. The children of Israel, as we've seen in this life study of Exodus, experienced many miracles. But Witness Lee pointed out in our message here that the greatest miracle is that we can eat of the real manna, the real bread that came out of heaven. Why is this such an outstanding matter when compared to all of these other so-called great miracles? Chris, this is a great miracle. I'm so happy you asked this question. What a miracle that centuries and centuries ago, the children of Israel enjoyed manna sent by God from heaven in a physical sense. But today, we can enjoy Christ as our manna, as our spiritual food, even as our hidden manna. What a great miracle this is, and what a mystery this is. When that bread came down from heaven, the children of Israel, they said, what is this? What is it? And actually, that's the meaning of the Hebrew word manna. Manna means, what is it? Well, that's what Christ is. Who is Christ? Christ is, what is this? Christ is a mystery. He's inexplicable to the people who don't know him, the nations. And when we enjoy him, we become, what is this? People look at us and they say, I can't figure that person out. You know, he's got the same kind of pressures as me, same kind of problems. Even I know he's passing through some suffering right now. But there's a joy with him. There's a peace about him. There's something about him that makes him different. What is this? Why is he like that? Or why do we become like that? We become a testimony, a mysterious testimony of Christ to the people around us by enjoying Christ as manna, by enjoying Christ as what is this? And we become a testimony of the marvelous, wonderful, beautiful, mysterious Christ in this universe. In John 6, the Lord told us in verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. I am that bread that came down out of heaven. We need to realize Christ is the reality of that manna. And in verse 57, he said, He who eats me shall live because of me. That means we need to eat Christ day by day. And he was not talking about something in the physical realm. Because in verse 63 of chapter 6, he said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the way to eat Christ as our spiritual food is to enjoy him in his words. His words that he speaks to us, they are spirit and they are life. So Chris, it comes back to this. We Christians need to be in the word every day. We need to eat Christ as our spiritual food by eating his word every day. We need to begin the day by having a spiritual breakfast. Some men of God in the past, they had a saying. This saying was no Bible, no breakfast. You know, I like this saying. This means we need to have our spiritual breakfast before we have our physical breakfast. I would encourage all of you, consecrate yourself to give that first time in the morning to the Lord where you read the word with prayer, in prayer, and in a spirit of prayer so that you can enjoy him as your spiritual food. And as during the day you keep your heart turned to the Lord, you will become a mysterious, wonderful testimony of Christ to all the people around you, and you will become a factor in their salvation. Maybe nothing else in our Christian life will have such an impact. Absolutely, Chris. I agree with you 100%. I hope all of our listeners would build up this life habit and life practice. I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.